Hey everybody, welcome to Geeky Dads Talk About Geeky Things. I'm JJ Johnson, and joining me today is one of our honorary, honorary geek moms, Amanda Trump-powered. Amanda, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, JJ. All right, so tonight, Amanda and I are going to be totally geeking out about all things middle grade fiction. I've been excited about doing an episode like this for a while. Uh, partly because I'm a middle grade author, Amanda's a middle grade author, uh, we're very passionate about writing clean fiction for kids, and you know, a lot of our listeners are basically in that age range where they have kids who are just starting out reading, maybe they have uh, some grandchildren, some nieces, nephews, it doesn't matter. You're an adult, you can read these stories. <laughs> tonight, this is what Amanda and I are going to talk about, and Amanda, I want to just start off this first let just introduce yourself and chat about your brand and your writing and stories. And, and then we'll come back and get into your story specifically a little bit. What makes you love, you know, writing middle grade fiction? Sure. Um, I like to describe myself as a writer for Jesus lovers who dig dragons, detectives and droids. And a lot of that is kind of uh, based off of some of my very first middle grade loves. Um, I love uh, adventures. I love mysteries. Um, I love sci-fi and fantasy. And I think middle grade is such a fun space because you can have these really big adventure stories. Um, one of the classic examples that come to my mind is always How to Train Your Dragon. Um, that is just such a great, fun story about a boy in a world that had problems and he kind of took on the problems and he saved the world. And when I was getting my education as a writer, um, one of the things that I learned, generally speaking, a distinction between middle grade and YA, um, although there's lots of saving the world in YA spaces, um, it's often combined with other things, discovering yourself, falling in love, um, you know, different things like that. Whereas middle grade, it's just, it's all about the fun. It's about the action. It's this person who is um, rising to a challenge potentially for the first time in their life, um, a very big challenge and overcoming it and saving their world. And it's a lot of fun. And I just, I love it so much. Yeah, I agree. You know, one of the things that I learned right off the bat about middle grade fiction is where in a YA, you have this whole vast world you know sometimes in middle grade fiction the character's world is very contained and maybe it's middle school maybe it's elementary school maybe it's a neighborhood or whatever and it's just it's a lot of fun to write and i absolutely enjoy it and part of the reason is is because i have so many memories of reading middle grade fiction growing up so mm -hmm. let's just a bit what were some of your favorite middle grade books that you read growing up so Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys are absolutely at the top of that list. Uh, Nancy Drew is a personal hero. Um, and the original series, um, I don't want to get the decade wrong. I want to say in the 1950s, um, that existed before we had all of these clear cut categories of middle grade YA and kind of kid lit in general. Um, so it's a little bit of an anomaly. If you held it up to a, tr a contemporary middle grade novel, it may not check all the boxes. For example, she's 18. She's not 13. Um, but Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys were definitely really, really big influencers for me. Just that um, real clean blend of adventure and a little bit of danger, 
but always in a way that was safe. <laughs> Nobody ever actually died. Um, and of course, the mystery angle. Um, beyond that, I also, uh, I loved Harry Potter and Percy Jackson. And I know that that's kind of like a, well, who doesn't sort of thing to say. But I think a lot of people forget that the first couple Harry Potter books, and especially the first couple Perry, Percy Jackson books, um, they're middle grade. They're not YA. Uh, Harry grew up into the YA category because the series went on for so long. But it started with a very uh, middle grade ethos to it. Um, and actually right now I'm reading a really great middle grade sci-fi novel called Jinxed by uh, Amy McCulloch, if that's how you say her last name. Um, so those would probably be some of my uh, top headliners. Nice, nice. Now, I grew up reading the Hardy Boys as well. My grandmother had the, the hardbacks. They weren't the original ones, but I still have all those. So when the bright blue ones? Yes, yes. Yeah, I have those too. <laughs> so I have all those. Um, and of course, it wasn't just the, the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. It was the Bobsy Twins and the Boxcar Children and things like that. Uh, one of my favorite authors was actually an Oklahoma author. And I think that's why I enjoyed him so much is because he was from Oklahoma and I'm from Oklahoma. But he wrote for Scholastic. He was a best-selling writer. And his name was Bill Wallace. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a couple of books called uh, A Dog Called Kitty, Beauty, Danger on Panther Peak, Trapped in Death Cave. When I had you know, my first son, I started going to used bookstores like mad, searching <laughs> All these books I grew up reading. Of course, Hank the Cowdog was a big one for me growing up as oh, well. Yes. Those started coming out right when I was like in the fifth grade. And also Goosebumps. I I, I read Goosebumps. I, I was right there in that generation in sixth grade, right as they started coming out. So I started reading those. And of course, you know, I, you know, I, I did read a little bit of Harry Potter, but I was in college by the time Harry Potter came out. Mm -hmm. uh, Kind of late to that, uh, to the, uh, the movies were already coming out by the time I got to the first couple of books, but yeah, this is a, this is a great age and it's a, um, really a fun age to write, write for. Now, before we get into the discussion about your books, what do you like so much about writing middle grade fiction? Um, I feel like it is where my interests and my voice naturally land. Um, for example, uh, I like, you know, a little dash of romance in a story, um, whether it's a book or a movie, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. But I appreciate it when it's not like the entire thing, you know, <laughs> I don't like bodice rippers. <laughs> I don't like uh, the, the uh, terrible YA love triangle where despite everything that's going on in the dystopian world around her, uh, the girl is consumed with choosing between two hot guys. That just feels very boring to me um, because middle grade, at least historically has not been heavy on the romantic element between the characters. I feel like it frees up the story to focus on other things. Um, maybe there's a little element of a crush or like a pre-crush, but it's really about this character. I'm going to say 12, but it can be a little younger or a little older, um, kind of on the cusp of childhood is like right behind me and young adulthood is right in front but I'm I've got one foot in both worlds so they're like thinking a little bit more like 
an adult, but they still have some of the sensitivities and the perspective of a child. Um, and I go back to How to Train Your Dragon. I think that movie is such a good example of middle grade and is a really good illustration of why I love it. Um, because he was, uh, Hiccup, the main character, was very sensitive to what his dad thought of him. And when he felt like his dad disapproved of him and was ashamed of him at the beginning of the movie, um, that was something that he felt very deeply, like a child would. Um, and then when he encountered uh, Toothless, the dragon, and developed a relationship with him over time that went against the values of his community, um, he, he, he wrestled with that, but he didn't run from it. Like even though everyone in his community felt this way about dragons, um, Hiccup was open-minded enough to uh, explore other options and get to know the dragon and be like, wow, maybe we've been wrong this whole time. And maybe we need to think about um, our relationship with the dragons a little differently. And I think that kind of open-mindedness um, is something that is true for uh, young people. Um, they're still kind of figuring out how they feel about the world. So they're willing to entertain, um, you know, different ideas. And so when you have a character who feels things deeply and cares about the world around them, but is also not afraid to dive in and make changes and save the world if necessary, um, I find that very hopeful. And I find it very, um, in a way, honoring of children, um, kind of a uh, a joyful look at all the things that a child could accomplish. So you're not actually going to become a dragon rider like Hiccup, but you could um, bring hope to your community, bring unity to your community, um, help correct a terrible uh, misjustice or issue in your community. Um, and I think that that's a very inspiring message to kids. And I love uh, doing that from a Christian point of view. I love giving kids um, a good adventure um, and inspiring them to continue to grow and continue to grow in Christ and develop their character and to embrace the adventures ahead of them. And if that means, you know, befriending the proverbial dragon <laughs> or learning to do things differently in order to save the village, um, I believe that it's in their ability to do so. Yeah, you know, one thing I like about this age is not only do you have, is it is so much easier to suspend disbelief. I mean, I mean you could, the sky's the limit in this. You don't have to explain every single little thing scientifically or like you do with, you know, YA and stuff like that. But, you know, this is that age range where they're just kind of starting to, you know, kids are starting to see the, that, you know, there's a bigger world out there mm -hmm. and you know, they're, you know, and, man, kids are exposed to so many things at a young age compared to what I was exposed to. I grew mm -hmm. I was, and so I grew up in the eighties, but I mean, it's just, it amazes me the things my kids are learning about already that I wasn't learning about until I was like a teenager. And part of me, it, it frightens me. And that's that's kind of why I started writing um, middle grade for that reason right there. Um, but let's kind of segue into your books a little bit, because you have two distinct series. And I love what you're doing, because 
I, I don't want to go on a rant here, but <laughs> you know, I'm kind of known for just saying it how it is. This is middle grade fiction, I think, is one area where there's a lot of the mainstream Christian publishers, they're absolutely failing at this because I feel like they're not listening to what the market really is wanting. And as I was looking through your series and I, I, I read that um, the one that you're getting ready to release, I just sat there and I thought, this is what we need in middle grade fiction. This is what we've been missing in middle grade fiction, especially in mainstream publishing. And it's just, it, it kind of irks me. So I, I love what you're doing. Um, I was telling my wife, I was like, our son, our, our youngest, who's eight, this is right up his alley with what, <laughs> but the type of stories he loves. So, cause we're, he's just getting to that stage where he's reading, you know, he's in the second grade, mm -hmm. uh, loves bad kitty, um, uh, you know, which I'm like, okay, we need to branch out a little bit. <laughs> But this is this is the type of books I want him reading, and I absolutely love it. So let's start with your your first series, the Color Case uh, Mystery Series. Tell us a little bit about that, and um, what is there five books? Uh, it, there there are three out right now, and the fourth one actually comes out uh, next week as we record this. Okay, okay. So we're recording this on January thirty first. So by the time this airs, that that fourth one will be out. So. Let's talk about the Collar Case Mystery Series. What? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So Collar Cases is my uh, fictional universe that all of my books will be in for the foreseeable future. Um, it's an anthropomorphic universe, which means that the animals walk upright and they wear clothes and they talk. There are no humans in the universe. It's like uh, a Christian version of Zootopia. Um, and the main characters are Mittens Meow and Alex Digger. They are investigative journalists. Um, there are a lot of uh, um, Marvel and DC uh, superhero characters that have pieced together this universe. Uh, Mittens is a nod to Lois Lane from Superman. Um, but Alex and Mittens are investigative journalists and they solve crimes in their small town. And the uh, Color Cases Mystery series, um, the original series, Side note, don't ever develop a universe that has the same name as one of your series because it's very confusing as you're talking about it. <laughs> but the original Color Cases Mystery Series um, follows Alex and Mittens as they are solving uh, mysteries. And it's, it's just very mystery focused. It's uh, high on humor um, and high on like classic mystery elements. Um, Powerpuff is the other line in this universe, and it has the same characters, um, but it's got a superhero flavor. So there's a character who's a superhero. There's still mystery elements, and there's still humor elements, but it it adds that superhero twist to it. Okay, so let's let's divide these out. Let's talk a little bit. What was kind of your inspiration? Let's take the caller case mysteries. What was some of your inspiration for what you wanted to bring to the middle grade audience with? with the collar case mysteries? Sure. I started out um, with a very specific vision. I wanted to write shorter books in terms of word count at a higher reading level. Um, so for example, the collar cases mysteries tend to be between 15 and 20,000 words long. Um, that's a little bit short for middle grade. Um, but what I was trying to do was write short books at a higher reading level, 
so that the homeschool students, I'm a second generation homeschooler, and that's um, primarily who I write for is homeschool students. Um, I know a lot of homeschool students who are advanced readers. So chronologically, they're still quite young, but their reading level is fairly high. And the parents sometimes struggle to find reading material that is appropriate in content, um, but also isn't super intimidating in terms of length, just because their child can read on a fifth grade level, let's say, doesn't necessarily mean that they are ready for like a 300 page book, or at least not all the time. So my goal with collar cases was to make something that would be funny for the whole family to read out loud if the child was an on-target reader or was something that an advanced reader could handle by themselves, um, but it was short enough that it wasn't going to um, fatigue them. Yeah, I absolutely love that because that's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to do. Um, although I think my target audience is really towards boys who don't like to read. But I, I think that one of the things that frustrated me when I started looking at things that my son wanted to read, it's like, you know, there was Diary of the Wimpy Kid and there was The Last Kids on Earth. Okay, those books get boys reading, but they're not really books. They're not novels. <laughs> they're mm -hmm. I feel like they're more like graphic, almost like a, a combination of a novel versus <laughs> and a graphic. Yeah. And that's fine. I don't, but I wanted something that was like, he was devouring the, I survived books. And I'm like, all right, mm -hmm. we, need, we need to find something else out there. And it just wasn't out there. So that's why I went and wrote it. So <laughs> I think that's wonderful, by the way, kudos to you. That's amazing. <laughs> so, but I mean, I actually emailed RL Stein and I said, Hey, what's the word count on the goosebumps books? Did he answer you? His assistant answered me. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, it was 23,000 words is what their contract is for. And I thought, okay, that gives me the target audience or the target. And so the Iguanas are about 22,000. So I love what you're doing because it's it's kind of the exact same thing I'm trying to do as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we need more of these type of stories because there are a lot of kids who or in that younger age range, but they have such a high advanced reading level, but they're just not ready for the big fat, you know, fantasy middle grade stories and, and, or definitely YA. Mm -hmm. And there's just not a lot out there. So it kind of, again, I'll stay off my rant. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, and I think traditional publishing, like if you were to go down the um, agent and querying route, um, I think they're looking for closer to like 50,000, between 25 and 50 is what I've heard, but closer to the 50. And that's fine. Um, it's just a much longer book. And I think you're missing a whole category of kids when you arbitrarily define middle grade as 50,000 or higher. Yeah. And I was told the same thing. And I, you know, I got rejected 10 times before I was just like, okay, shrug, I'll go do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's fine. I mean, it's just, but like, like you said, we're missing a whole category of readers out there who are dying for content and it's not being, it's not being produced. So, all right, let's talk about Power Pup. Now, when does this book come out officially? Um, oh, you're going to ask me that question. I should know the answer to this. Uh, it comes out officially on February 26th. Okay. All right. And 
for all you listeners, I've already read it. So uh, <laughs> it, oh, that totally went on my Goodreads list for the for the year, by the way. So <laughs> excellent, helping you meet that goal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It doesn't matter how long the book is, but I. <laughs> I devoured this in like two or three days, I think. And oh, that's so sweet. I, it was, it was so much fun, and it really wants me, makes me really want to get the color case mysteries for for my son because I I know he would absolutely love them. But you're doing some interesting things here, and we'll talk about working with an artist because you've worked with some other artists as well. We'll talk about that here. But you're doing some interesting things here. The first thing that I popped into my mind was, you know, I'm reading a book about with, with two characters that's a cat, a dog, and a dog, and, you know, there's foxes and all this stuff, and I absolutely love it, but it did have that old-school kind of superhero feel to it, like the old-school Batman and Super. Yes. I, okay, I'm so happy to hear that that came through. <laughs> that was on purpose. <laughs> yes, and I, like I said, it's got a great devotional by Jason Joyner at the end of it, but it's it, it just had that feel to it. And I, I, I just kept thinking, this is awesome. This because is this is the type of stuff, you know, I watched on TV when I was a kid, just the old school Batmans and Supermans and, and things like that. Um, I would ask you what your inspiration was for that, but it sounds like it was the old school. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the two primary um, shows. I am a huge nut for the live action Adam West 1960s Batman show. I have watched every episode probably five times. I have the whole show. Um, I know the names of all of the actors um, of like the villains. And I can tell you when Julie Newmar stepped out as Catwoman and Eartha Kitt came in. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so that was absolutely part of the vibe that I wanted was that really campy, um, superhero fun. I didn't want it to be quite as campy as the show because I did want the readers to take it um, seriously. Like if Mittens and Alex felt like they were in danger, I wanted the reader to um, believe that Alex and Mittens felt they were in danger, even if it was a little bit silly. And that can be a difficult line to walk. Um, but the other main inspiration is kind of split between the live action Adventures of Lois and Clark show and then the 1990s Superman, the animated series, uh, Mittens was modeled after that Lois Lane from the 1990s animated show. Um, and she doesn't look this way anymore, but her first, um, what would you call it? Her first like inspiration drawing of how she looked was, was very much like Lois's outfit with the pleated skirt and the blouse and everything. Um, the Adventures of Lois and Clark vibe um, comes in mainly through their editor. Um, in the Superman show there, um, Perry White, he's this really fun mix of gruff and holding Lois and Clark to a high standard. But deep down, you know that he really cares about them and that they're all one big family. And that's kind of where I'm going with my editor. Uh, he's part J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man, but he's also part Perry White in how he interacts with Men's and Alex. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't as campy as as the show. I, I will admit that. And I love the interactions between Alex and Mittens. I think they are just the way he he tries to protect her in some ways, but the, <laughs> 
he's just a lovable goofball and you know she's she you can tell her she got the serious side to her i i love it i love the entire interaction um i felt like um calvin the other character was was excellent at um sort of adding a different part of sort of diversity to their little little group that they have there. So, and, you know, Powerpup, I mean, <laughs> Powerpup, I love it. So, uh, now you've worked with a couple of artists in the past, um, which I think is phenomenal because not, not, not a lot of people have done this, but what was it like working with, um, have you worked with two artists? I'm, I'm, I'm two separate artists, right, on these books? Um, it's actually three. Um, my first artist was Sarah um, Hutchinson, and she did the art for um, Color Cases 1 through 3. And then she um, wanted to step down to pursue um, other things. So Molly Farnsley is the new artist as of Color Cases 4. And this summer, we'll be rebranding all of the old Color Cases books. And my, at least my goal is by the end of summer, to have new versions of color cases one through three out with Molly's art so that the, um, the art matches for the kids. I didn't want them to get confused or distracted. And then Jerry Bennett is the artist for Powerpuff. All right. Yeah. And I know I've, I've never met Jerry. He's, he is an Oklahoma boy. So I like him already, but <laughs> I've seen his art uh, displayed in, um, in a couple of places, the Skirvin hotel, it's been displayed here and, um, so he is, he's done some work with, uh, with several different licensed properties. Um, do you know, do you know off the top of your heads? Yeah. Yeah. I want to give him a huge shout out. He was so gracious to agree to work with me. Uh, this man has done art for literally everybody, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, DreamWorks, Disney. Um, some of that is storyboarding art. Other, um, other commissions were uh, very, am I saying that right? Variant covers for the comic books. Yes. Um, in addition to being an indie um, graphic novel artist um, for both himself and other authors. He's just amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And when I was trying to find the artist for Powerpuff, I knew I wanted a superhero feel to the visuals and that that was going to be really important. And it was also my preference, though not a strict requirement, that I work with another believer um, so a friend connected us, um, through a network that she belonged to. And when I looked at his website to see his art, like I fell in love in half a second. It, I, I immediately knew that this was the right style. <laughs> um, but he's a very accomplished man and I am at the beginning of my career. So I was like, he's not even going to acknowledge my presence, but you know, there's no harm in trying. Um, so I emailed him. And uh, I don't know if it's okay to admit this or not, but I'm going to because he's amazing. I emailed him and uh, his prices were out of my, my budget, which I was not at all surprised to hear. So I immediately emailed him back and I was like, okay, thank you so much for your answer. Um, this is going to be a little bit more than what I can do right now. But um, I, if you don't mind, I would love to contact you in the future once I was at the point where um, I could work with you. And uh, he emailed me back and he was so gracious. He's like, you know, I didn't realize that you're a Christian startup. And he took a look at my work and he's like, I really like what you're bringing to the community. Um, I think this is a project that I could really get behind. Um, and he, he agreed to, to work with me um, at a rate lower than what he would potentially charge a different client. 
Um, and he didn't have to do that. Um, but it, that meant the world to me. And I think it just says a lot about his generosity as a Christian creative. Um, and I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. <laughs> nice, nice. That's incredible. And folks, you can find him on Instagram. He's actually pretty active over there on Instagram. So, all right. So, uh, Amanda, is there any middle grade books out there that, you know, other authors that you think um, our listeners would, other than your books, would enjoy checking out, reading any friends that you have um, writing middle grade fiction or anything? <laughs> I feel like I cheat when I answer this question because um, all of the Christian middle grade that I'm exposed to now is through my writing friends. So it's all pre-publication, which is terribly unfair to do to people. Um, but one person that I would absolutely direct people to um, is uh, Becca Weirwell. Um, I can uh, spell that for you later. Um, she writes contemporary Christian middle grade. Um, it's not uh, fantasy or sci-fi. It, it's just plain contemporary. Um, and she has such a heart for giving kids good stories that teach them that they were wonderfully created. Um, and uh, I, I have another friend who has the most amazing fantasy middle grade manuscript uh, I've ever read. Um, and uh, she's pausing it to pursue other projects, which is killing me. So I don't think it would be fair to point you in her direction. <laughs> Unless you wanted to hound her on our on my behalf. In fact, yes, I will. Find Rachel Kimberly on Instagram <laughs> and tell her that she needs to get her Smorlock and me story out because the world needs to see that. All right. So everybody head over to her. <laughs> yes, it's Rachel Kimberly art on Instagram. <laughs> All right. And we will tag that in the uh, show notes, folks. <laughs> so <you> can... <laughs> tell her Amanda sent you. <laughs> All right, Amanda, I love this episode. And this is, uh, like I said, uh, you're doing something that is extremely close to my heart because this is what I love seeing being done in the industry. I think it needs to be on, you know, a lot more need to, to hop on and help because the, it, this is just, there's so many readers out there in this age range and there's just not enough content right now for them. And, Getting through to the gatekeepers is not hard, folks. So if you're a writer and you've been thinking about writing middle grade fiction, honestly, you can email me or Amanda anytime. Mm -hmm. Please do. Yes, because these, these stories are needed and we need more of them. So Amanda, absolutely, get you coming on. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And thank you for all the work you're doing with your books. I think they are just really, really fantastic. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And, um, uh, you know, I got a whole lot more in the plans for them. So, uh, it's just, I need to write faster. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Uh, my twins are four now. They just turned four. Um, and I have discovered the wonders of dictation after wrestling with it for years. I hated it. Um, it has been the thing that has kind of changed my life. I will tell you this. I, I started dictating about... Um, nine months ago, I think it was. And because I was like, I just, you know, my, my kids are 10 and eight right now. And, you know, my wife, bless her heart. She's, she just quit her job. So she's now just kind of a stay at home mom doing so much more probably now than when she was working full time. 
mm-hmm. yeah, home, it's like, I, you know, I'm trying to relieve the kids. I'm trying to, you know, and it's just like, I, I need to find time. I, I had to learn to dictate my commute to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is just, it's changed my writing. And like I said, it's not, it's the first draft is never having to be pretty. It doesn't have to be. It just needs to get the yep. story. And so that has helped me. I agree. Dictation. I hated it, but like, <laughs> I I was forced to learn how to do it. So. Yeah. It feels a little bit like a necessity for the writing parent. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a lot of this out there. So. All right, Amanda, everybody, this has been me and Amanda. This has been Geeky Dads talking about geeky things. That's a wrap.